because it's just a tough word digital. to get out. <laughs> digital digitalization. <laughs> digitalization. Welcome to the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal to suck a little less every day. I am Chris Tonkinson. And I'm Frank Cole. And this is episode number 007, recorded January 19th, 2021. How you doing, Frank? You added the timestamps. Okay. I did. All right. I like it. I think it's grounding. It does. Yeah. I I one of the things when I'm when I'm reading blogs, one of the things that always drives me nuts with uh particularly corporate blogs and other ones that are written by marketing firms, they don't include dates. They do that. They never have they never do. It's deliberate, I think. So annoying because the first thing I want to know, great. I go to Google or in my case, DuckDuckGo because I'm a freak. I go to the search engine. I'm looking for a topic. I bring up a site. Great. There's a blog entry. The title is exactly what I need. I go to it. The first thing I want to know, how out of date is this? That's right. That's the first. It's not It's not in the byline. It's not in the footer. It's not in a URL. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere to be found. <laughs> and it bothers the, it's almost, I feel like it's intentional. You know, it's, 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 it's like a, it's, it's malicious almost. It feels. <laughs> well, I think it is. I think in some, for the ones that do it for marketing purposes, it makes the content look timeless and so it's a way to really stretch the longevity of that of that seo link juice that you put out there which yeah it just which is is mm. just which is just on the face of it idiotic because oh wait your your understanding of the events never changes you know you never learn anything it's ah, well that's not that well well i mean (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah. that's not the point the point is no, to no, get no. eyeballs on the page so they you know they, right and if your eyeball is there longer hey maybe you click an ad or something no. like that and, Whereas and regardless date, regardless of the the date of discovery of the page or the uh publish date in metadata i would not be surprised that google at all look you know they see oh this looks like an article it has a date stamp and there's another one that is contextually equivalent but it has a much newer date stamp and so i'm going to bump that one to the top but if there is no date then it can't make that analysis and so you know waiting is is uh done differently you don't think that they keep track of that though you don't think that they keep those timestamps? like they don't know the first the first time we saw this page and how old this content is that's literally what i just said like you know outside of the metadata present outside of them looking at metadata or or looking at the discovery date they they i i would be surprised to learn if they didn't look at the actual content of the page oh, try to intuit whether or not there's like a like a an explicit published date mm-hmm. that's made prominent and yeah. use that as a waiting factor so oh, if yeah. you don't have it it can't compare you to an article that does and so then you know yeah oh, that's that's exactly what it does i i am i am certain that that's what they do. Uh, so actually, the uh, one of my uh, one of the things that I had I had queued up to talk about it, it overlaps with this pretty well. The um, so I, I have been seeing my company's been talking about it a little bit because it's it's a um, it's a hot topic, uh, but I keep seeing it in articles too, and it's this notion of uh, two concepts and slightly overlapping digital transformation. And digitization. Have you have you seen these buzzwords around? Have you seen this? Have you seen I, this I've seen thing? digital I mean, transformation. You've seen I've not seen not seen digitization. Digitization. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. So uh, I've been 
we've been we've been talking about these things internally. You know, my company sort of focuses in on the digital transformation space. It's one of our. It's actually one of our our taglines, and uh, so so that's not uh, uncommon. But uh, so digitization. is a, is a, is a fun term. I feel like both of these terms are, uh, they, they tend to get highfalutin about things that really it's, aren't it's necessary. It's boardroom bingo. It, it can be, it can be. There's, there's definitely no, meat. No, it is. There's not, <laughs> it is. There's some, there's some, there is, okay. There is some meat there. Okay. It, it gets, it gets puffed up pretty rapidly in certain circles, but there is some meat there. I just don't know if it necessarily matches with, with the, the hype you hear sometimes, but, uh, um, right. Yeah. There's some meat to sanitation engineer too. Well, that's, that's kind of gross actually, but yeah, I suppose you're, I suppose you're right about that in a disgusting sort of way. So digitization, I, I, I we just did some articles on this and I, and I wanted to cover them because I see these terms and I go, this is, come on. Uh, Okay, so digitization. Digitization is the act of taking your existing data and digitizing it, hence the term. And so what are we actually talking about here? We are talking about things like the big filing cabinet in the back office getting scanned and stored as PDFs or in some more sophisticated way, OCR, um, I'm sorry, no acronyms, um, uh, ocular character recognition, actually taking a picture of words and then being able to recognize what those actual characters are and convert the, converting them into their digital equivalent so that you can actually search them and they become searchable terms. That's what OCR is. And so all of this written stuff becoming a digital format and that, you know, that back office filing cabinet, that room full of filing cabinets that goes away and all that data now lives inside a database or something somewhere. That's what they somewhere. Somewhere. In and a, that's somewhere in a data lake. Right. <laughs> Which is another highfalutin term, I think. Oh, data lake. Oh, okay. So you're saying you have a big database. Wow. Right. I'm, I'm super or, impressed. Or in, or in the because average, it's a lake. Yeah, in the best in as opposed to a case, base. Right? In in the average case, it's just a random S3 bucket of crap. <laughs> Hey, we no. This is because this you you and I. It, both it is an overlord. Oh, wh- this is a digitization. Which, by the way, uh, I'll give you five bucks if you can get through this episode and not say digitization in a way that makes you sound sloshed. Because it's just a tough <laughs> word Digi- to get out. Digi- digitalization. <laughs> digitalization. Uh, <laughs> we should start that the refactor drinking game. No, but the, uh, what happens? Most organizations. Okay, we have a filing cabinet. Uh, we're going to OCR. We're going to digitize this. And so they just scan every document, turn it into a PDF, and throw it in a file share, throw it in mm-hmm. a Samba share somewhere that is mm-hmm. going to be equally as neglected as the filing cabinet well, was. Well, I mean, you can and, make- But less organized because nobody can see it in totality and marvel at its the majestic <laughs> chaos that it is. So then somebody's going to come along and say, oh, we can OCR, right? And now you're going to index it, right? And you're getting you're getting closer there, but it just it's I've never it's it's just it's going to turn into a mess. <laughs> the best one though, uh, I know you played with this back in the day. I don't know if you still do it. Um, that there are little uh, little desktop scanners you can get to digitize receipts. 
Um, I, I have less attempt, need. Like, I have less need to do that these days. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I had a, um, uh, uh, neat receipts, neat receipts is what you're thinking of, which was actually a local company where, you know, when I was uh, living in, in Philadelphia, I was, um, member of a, of a local startup group called the Philly startup leaders and uh, neat was a, uh, a, a behemoth in, in that space. They were already very well established and, and blowing up, but they had a relationship with us. I actually got to meet that CEO once and talked about how they got off the ground and stuff like that. So it's a really, really cool story there uh, uh, business wise, but uh, I have less need to do that these days, not because the technology has gone anywhere, but because it has changed and improved. So when I do receipts now, it's with a mobile app, snap a, uh, snap a photo of the, uh, yeah. of the receipt. And it does, I think it does some OCR, but I also know that there's a, um, there's some mechanical Turkness going on in the background. They actually have staff that are looking yeah. at the receipt and they, and they yeah. assign it and things like that. Um, neat receipts was pure OCR because they were reading, uh, yeah. well, the OCR is not hard. The scanning, it's not the hard part, right? It's easy to, it's either easy to replace a desktop appliance with a smartphone camera. The OCR is the hard part. And I just, uh, I just knocked something over. Way to go. Desk. Sorry. Way to that. go. Um, the, the hard part of that, that is the OCR. And that's the dirty secret of Silicon Valley is that half of the stuff that, uh, you know, Facebook would like you to believe is fully automated AI oh, manual ML labor. magic yeah, it's is manual just labor. mechanical turked. It's, yeah. it's, that's all it is. And they can't keep up with it, which is which is why they're having, you know, platform issues. Yeah. So digitization, it, I it's I think there's some there's a legitimate thing there and a lot of companies go through it. And I think it's a good it's a good term to uh, to know. But it's a. It can get overloaded, but it, if you if you can talk about this as a as a technical person or as a manager, you know, there's real there is real business value in in getting this stuff up and out of the office. It comes down to, like you said, it's a, it's a matter of execution, being able to do it in a way that it doesn't just die in a in a folder share somewhere that that doesn't help anyone. In fact, that that could arguably make things harder than the than the manual sorting. So you have to go at this with a, you know, with a plan. Yeah, getting it, getting the information off a of dead paper is not the important part. The important it's part also not is the hard part. Where Exactly. It's not the hard part. The, 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 the trick of it is getting the thing organized and whether that's categorized or filed or indexing or however you're doing it, the important part is getting it to where you can get the information you need quickly mm-hmm. rather than rifling through, uh, you know, rifling through manila folders. Right. So, so overloaded term. Absolutely. Useful. Definitely. Hard to say without sounding drunk. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is it, it's also not something that I, I would necessarily rush into either. This is absolutely something I would do a slow and steady approach. You can't just simply scan and scan and done. And I would question any company who who says, oh, yeah, we'll just we'll come in. We'll take all your boxes for you. We'll take them. Out, we'll ship it in. And then you'll you, know, you get this login for a database, mm, you know, n- because, yes, they can do the easy part for you, but making sure that they're in an organized fashion that matches your business needs. That's the part that takes time and making sure that they're, you know, it's searchable in a way that you need it to be searchable. I mean, case in point, if you've got, you know, if you have file filing cabinets, literally filing cabinets full of papers that you want to OCR, well, how much of that do you actually need to OCR? What do you actually look it up by? So you might want to grab 
a case number, you know, a case ID, uh, user IDs, the the date of the event that's on the paper, things like that. And in those cases, you might actually be better off doing a semi-manual effort to digitize that stuff manually where you do a scan and then you're entering a couple of individual elements you or you know a vendor that you that you partner with because one it'll be less error prone you 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 will get you'll have less um well you have you have a human element so you introduce a human error but on the flip side of that um you've got uh you know less chance of ocr recognition failure you know it not being able to read it so um i look at it as a security exercise though too uh-huh. Uh, and I, I think about the CIA triad, which is confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Um, uh, if you've got cabinets upon cabinets of dead trees, anybody can come and get in and look at those, right? So, so putting that in a secure digital location gives you uh, potentially <laughs> it, it gives you potentially a better posture from on-site uh, snooping. I'll say in a in a in a benevolent way. Um, now you do expose that information then to the whole wide internet uh, if your network gets compromised. So that's that's a trade off. Mm-hmm. Um, availability uh, is the one that I would worry about, though. Which you know I think the the last couple of years the ransomware trend has proven um, at, across sectors, across verticals, yeah. it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Everybody's in the news and everybody's knocked offline and everybody winds up either paying or rebuilding from scratch because they don't have backups. And and what I mean by that is they probably had backups, but they're not actionable. They can't get them where they need to be. They can't restore from them. They're They're old. Whatever reason, their their BCDR, their business continuity disaster recovery plan is probably a lot better than their actual capability. Um, And so from a digitization standpoint, uh, like me, I have a I have a filing cabinet right next to my desk. It's just one of those standing, you know, three drawer jobbies, um, and it's pretty full. Um, and I think, oh, it would be nice to have that digital, but I really don't care that much. Yeah, well, it's I not, mean, it's how much do you need? Right? How exactly. much do you need it yeah. to be? Most of the paper I have one of those too in the in my in the back of my basement. Most of the papers I have in there are CYA insurance type things. I don't need them for anything unless I really needed them for something and then I would pull them out. And even then the stuff I really, really need tax related stuff sits in a fire safe. And that's a much, much smaller subset that would be ridiculous to digitize. And honestly, at this point, most of the papers are getting printed out of systems and the data exists elsewhere anyway. And so these are just my, my paper copies for, uh, insurance purposes effectively you know personal insurance not 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 legal yeah. insurance so it's it's a it's something that i think every business should consider but i think that the actual need is usually much smaller than what any of these vendors or you know any articles that you read about it would talk about and that's where the fluffy part comes in you know you talk about you know the digitization of your business and we made a good point it comes down to scope right because yeah. the subset the subset of assets you know, the subset of dead trees that you would actually be well served, it'd be good ROI for you to digitize is likely a lot smaller than your total corpus of dead trees. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you can probably take the top 10% of that paperwork and digitize it and get really good bang for your buck in that exercise. And the other 90% is just as wasted, uh, I, w- I would think. Because even like my, you know, I was talking about backups, my personal backups, I actually have them tiered. So the stuff, the stuff that I care most about that I, that changes most often is in that is in, you know, tier one. And once it's compressed, it's like a couple of gigabytes, right? And that gets, that gets a full backup every night, you know, the whole, the whole treatment, the tier two stuff is stuff that I, either I don't care about as much, or it doesn't matter as much. It doesn't change that often. And so maybe that only gets a full backup every month, you know, but it's much larger. We're talking a couple of hundred gigabytes and there's, you know, two to four different layers and it's like a pyramid. Um, and all I really care about is the point. Right. It's a, it's a Pareto principle, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule that 20% yeah. of your effort solves 80% of your problems. Yeah. And you want, well, you, with, when it comes to, when it comes to backup stuff, uh, you, you want that to be as deadpan simple with as few steps and as little complexity as possible, because otherwise Every time you add complexity to it, that's increasing the likelihood that you a won't do it, or b it'll run out of date, or c it will bugger up and fail on you when you need. Yeah, it most. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna discount the first two of those points because if your backups aren't automated, you don't have backups. Because oh, no, be you're automated. absolutely right, you won't do it, or you won't do it right, and so backups are not backups unless they are both offsite and automated. Oh, and I that's agree. A whole now that's a that's a neckbeard discussion, but um. But yeah, the, the more complicated it is, the more likely, the more moving parts, the more likely you have a system failure. And that's just part of uh, trying to simplify that, trying to refactor things so that the overall, the overall process is simpler. It's, it's harder to make things simpler, but that's often the most valuable time you spend. No, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that, yeah, they need, they need to be automated, but there's, there's a, there's always a manual, there's always a person at the back end of these automated processes. All of these things originate with some human who sets the rules, who manages the schedule, who has to just make sure that it works. So there's always that that manual component to it. Even when it's quote unquote automated, yes, it's automated. Somebody has to watch that automation. You know, the machine just doesn't run on its own. It it, it does, well, but no, but no, I think no, I think you're conflating because there's a difference. I, I'm suggesting the backups need to be offsite and automated in order for me to call them backups and not just another local copy that's out of date. Uh, there is a manual component, but the backups themselves have to be automated. The only manual component at that point, you've reduced the manual intervention to simple verification, which I also do on a monthly basis. I have a standing calendar appointment, verify backups. Um, and yeah, it, it does still take work. It's, it's not as if you, you automate it and then you ignore it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually gets done. It gets done when it's supposed to happen. It does everything it's supposed to do. And then it takes a few minutes a month just to make sure it's still working. Right. Um, but that you know, I could do it myself and be sure it was done right every time, all the time. And then it would never get done. Yeah. But even my point is even those checks though. That's a thing that you that you have to do, and it doesn't matter how simple or it doesn't matter the scale here necessarily. A simpler thing is going to be easier and faster for you to check, and you're going to more reliably and more consistently get a green light on your manual checks. Oh, agreed. agreed. Then, if, if as you get more complexity to it, it's going to take you more time, 
and it's going to introduce the opportunity for more exceptions, more or and or errors to that process, which you then have to rectify. So that's my point. Is I mean, what you, I agree with you, and and what you're saying is absolutely true, and and you're not wrong. You should, however, whatever your scope of responsibility is, you should always be aiming to keep that thing as simple as humanly possible, given the requirements and given the the space in which you're working. It should, you know, your automation should always be as simple as possible. Yeah, and, and that's hard because, again, that's it's hard. easy to make things yes. complicated. It's hard to simplify things. Exactly. And often that is the most meaningful, uh, highest ROI activity is to simplify processes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, what's that saying? You know, there are no easy answers, but there are simple ones. That's yeah. absolutely, absolutely true when it comes to uh, comes to backups. Uh, so back to digitization just for a second. The reason I brought it up with digital transformation is because one, they sound very similar and companies talk about them interchangeably. And they're actually two fundamentally different concepts. So, you know, given what we just talked about with digitization, what's your understanding of I, I'm curious from a, from an external perspective, somebody who hasn't been thinking about this for you know nine months now, um, nigh on months now. Do, what's your understanding of what digital transformation is? Well, it's probably wrong, first of all. Sure, uh, like every so, <laughs> you know. To by contrast, if digitization, <laughs> right? Everything I say is wrong. Of course, it's wrong. Uh, yeah. All right, have a good week, everybody. No, yeah. Um, uh, a digitization would be you know, the act of digitizing dead tree paper records, if to, to simplify it, digital transformation is leverage it in my understanding at correct me if I'm wrong here, leveraging, uh, leveraging digital technology to augment, uh, automate, refactor processes and workflows into a more, you know, quote unquote, efficient state. Is that, is that roughly? I think that, I think I actually think you're pretty accurate there. Yeah. It's the notion that your, that your business in some fundamental fashion will change, can change and should change because of the, uh, new, the, the availability of newer technologies to improve things that you were doing in a, you know, what was previously the, potentially, presumably, the best available method. But now because of newer technologies, certain processes that you were doing are fundamentally changed or eliminated completely. And so you actually change your business to match those that the, the new availability of, of, the, of the technologies. So as, so, a, as a very, very simple example, Let's say that I have a, and maybe I'm in banking or healthcare or defense or some, you know, some mm-hmm. regulated high security type type industry. Okay. Um, and I have a system, and I have uh, users of this system, and and when they get locked out, when they lose their password, when something happens f- to their credentials, when they're not able to access the system, they've got to call, uh, they've got to call and get that rectified somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now I've got a staff, a call center. And all of the cost and complexity that comes with that digital transformation would be, hey, we're going to open up a new account self-service portal to let these people enter their bona fides, verify themselves, and do this on their own. And so there's two things happening there. Number one, your end users get a faster resolution, most likely, 
And number two, most importantly, from a PL standpoint, you no longer have to staff that call center with those agents to take those calls and do that work manually, or you need less of them, or, mm-hmm. and, and they can focus on the stuff that actually does require a human brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be like one very simplified example of digital transformation, uh, deploying technology to you know, reduce your, you know, you know, increase your bottom line, reduce your costs. Yeah, that's a simple answer. You could take that to an extreme. I read an article, it was a while ago now, Microsoft was pushing for passwordless. They were pushing to go entirely without passwords for all of their authentication. They wanted to get away from using that concept completely. And so... I mean, sidestepping what that actually looks like, think about the outcome there. You know, if, if, there's no, if there's no password, then that fundamentally changes how IT departments work and fundamentally changes how your, you know, your, your, your role-based access controls work. You know, you're, you're looking at a, a complete overhaul of, of the entire user infrastructure in, in a manner of speaking with, with that because you don't have to, you don't have to deal with individual password IDs. It's going to change the nature of, of attacks that are going to happen on you, that can happen on you. You probably, you're going to lose some vulnerabilities. You're probably going to gain some different ones in, in exchange for that. So that's the kind of thing that gets lumped into, that uh, gets defined under digital transformation. And then there's the, you know, the most common way that people think about it, and that's just simply taking their existing stuff from virtual servers and colos and things like that and turning them into cloud cloud stuff cloud native then you know the 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 term going cloud native um yeah okay i'm not arguing the point i'm not arguing that i'm not arguing the point that that's not what people use it to mean but okay oh (laughs) and and, I, i right i have the same reaction it's you know the fact that your stuff is now on aws is such the you are just I'm not even sure you're scratching the surface. You might be sniffing the surface. You're not, you're nowhere, you're nowhere close to it. But as you start to get into things like uh, serverless stuff, you know, using things like AWS Lambda. But, uh, but is like that, that, that none of that, see, none of that passes the test to me of digital transformation because you're taking okay. computer systems and changing them. I, mm. Never mind theoretically the difference between a restful service and a uh, you know a, a, like a functional like a lambda thing. Okay. And, and never mind colo versus cloud. Never mind VMs versus containers. Never mind all of that. You know, uh, Pascal versus Rust. I, I don't. You know, it's a computer system. It is. It is digital. And after this work, it is still digital. To me, digital transformation has to be more than just we moved. Our we changed our technology posture. That is just that is just part of a long, broad, almost one hundred year old arc of digital technology and its constant state of evolution. We can't just say that oh, because digital transformation happened in the you know between the end of the two thousands and early twenties that anything that happened with underlying technology is also part of digital transformation. I don't. I don't buy that. Uh, and I'm not, again, not arguing the point that people lump it together. Oh, they do. Yeah. I'm saying, I mean, there's, there's two sides of this conversation. I want to talk about yeah. what we think it actually is. And then there's yeah. what 
gets perceived or the marketing speak. I mean, there's there's a couple different ways you can look at it. So I I agree. Uh, hmm. I'm a little mixed on this because if you go if you go the route of I mean, I like the serverless one because that's that's a real that's actually a media change. Me hosting a, a VM, me going from a from a bare metal server to a VM. Eh, you know, I, I, it kind of fits the fits in the same bucket that you're describing there. Taking that same VM and now it's a EC2 instance kind of the same thing in fact it's some of the same underlying technologies going from that ec2 instance to um uh i'm sorry ec2 aws elastic cloud compute going from that ec2 instance all the way out to uh a container we we've shrunk it down now that's got some that's got some significant changes for how your your it team operates because they have to worry less to not at all about the underpinning libraries that service that application because everything comes bundled in that that one container and you just plop that thing down and and off you go and so taking it i i would make the same argument there at an even higher level with the lambdas with a function uh, the serverless stuff because now you are just handing a set of you're handing code. I mean, you you are handing, you know, functional code to a server to say, go do this thing. And they turn a server on, it does the thing, and then it, it goes away. And you don't even think about the underpinning stuff at all. You don't think about libraries. You don't think about anything. And yeah, that's but, but got some digital transformation. Impacts. I think I, I, I was with you on the first hop. And I think, I think you brought up a good point. If we're talking about what digital transformation means, there's an analog, like I mentioned initially, there's, a, there's an analog to digitization, which is we had dead trees and now we have files in a, you know, wherever. Uh, digital transformation, I would follow you and I would say that converting a, an on-prem or a colo data center into some hosted environment I would say that counts because what you're doing is you are reducing the attention you pay to physical real world objects and that has business consequences on the PNL. Mm -hmm. So if I'm moving from on-prem or colo bare metal, even, never mind if my maybe I, I roll ESXi or even Kubernetes on the whole thing. So mm -hmm. like I don't care what level I could be running Kubernetes with Lambda services and all of this kind of stuff. Whatever That's layer of abstraction is happening. The point on is this, that I still have staff on site in a center fiddling with bits of metal if i then go and move and say okay now i'm in aws i'm azure gcp whatever to me i i would take that as part of digital transformation right we had a data center we had physical assets mm -hmm. and we no longer do we managed mm -hmm. physical computers we no longer do mm -hmm. that to me i would i would follow you that far i would say yeah i would i would buy that as part of digital transformation okay so what about but the, like the vm thing? versus container versus functions versus that that's it's all digital already. I'm at that. I don't. Buy. Okay, so that is part of the overall arc. Okay, of so your hang-up is on the digital in the digital because transformation. It's, the, it's because it's the defining word yeah. in the term. Okay, digital transformation. So maybe so, it's a bad so, term, and maybe this is part of the one. Maybe this is part of the reason it's overloaded because yeah. I there's definitely because I'm actually looking at the transformation side of this. You know, because taking working on a VM versus working in a container, 
That's a that's a transformative difference. You look and handle those two things in very very no, not, not arguing ways. that point, not right. arguing that point at all. Obviously, right. that is true. Right, but, but it's they not are part both digital, digital. transformation. Right, but they're both digital, and so now. But the thing is, that would be part of a cloud. So I've heard this term, and it's it's germane okay. cloud journey. Cloud, oh gosh, <laughs> I, this is our cloud journey now. If you want to talk about going from VM to container or serverless or anything else yes that is part of the cloud journey oh man every time i hear that term i just it's it's, (laughs) random sidebar but it'll it'll come back i had a history teacher in college who uh we we went through colonial history and he talked about uh tariffs and he had this thing where you know tariffs were for whatever reason he he had learned that tariffs talking about tariffs immediately the the whole class just zoned out it was the most boring subject in the world and you know you you've heard it time and again since you were in first grade and as soon as you start talking about the the tariff parts of of uh early colonial america you just start snoozing out and so every time it came up in class and and he mentioned tariffs he would immediately just go (laughs) and just just nod off right in the middle of class for (laughs) half a second I do the exact same thing when I hear cloud journey. I mean, that is just the most, I mean, come on. Cloud journey. <laughs> it's, 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 it, that, that is, that's, that's some highfalutin, that's highfalutin board language. And I know why they like it. Here's the thing, you know, cause I, I mean, I, I, I work with executives. Executives like that kind of language because it's, uh, it's, it's colorful. It's, it's strong imagery. It has a, you, you can, you can immediately grasp the essence of, of what you're trying to accomplish. It's something to get people to easily rally around. So from, from an executive perspective, people who would be, you know, in support of that kind of thing, I, I get it. I, I do. It, it, it makes sense. But it's just so, it's so big and vague and it, it, it doesn't it doesn't really capture, you know, it talks in these highfalutin terms about things that are, are I think, very concrete. And um, I guess, if, I mean, if you're looking to inspire, yeah, I, I see it. But you the 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 grunts on the ground, it's OK. So you, you want us to take stuff out of this? this colo over here and plop it into these well because the message these. doesn't get translated well yeah so we could we could in defense of the cloud journey i can say cloud versus physical you know colo data center style hosting mm-hmm. part of digital transformation the cloud journey and the digital transformation overlap where it concerns reducing physical server assets on the books right right and by the way, there are times where you don't necessarily want to do that because now there are physical assets and they play you know, financial uh, engineering games where because now I have a physical asset, I can amortize it. And you know, there's reasons to, to go that direction. That's but true. Yeah, that's if, true. If you, you know, but yeah, you've got to put that against headcount of keeping the power on and all that. Anyway, mm-hmm. the, beside the point where the cloud journey, I think where there's something there, if I put on my devil's advocate shoes, um, the word journey there is what makes it cringy, but also 
kind of clever because you're not going to tomorrow go from bare metal servers in a colo to container and functionless cloud. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year. And so it's about taking steps toward a goal that's constantly changing, right? Mm -hmm. If we had had the, if, if you had a discussion about cloud journey 10 years ago, it would not include Lambda because no, that true. did not exist as a right. service. We had functional languages. There was nobody hosting functions the way that, the way that, that they are now. And so we define a plan that takes, you know, any organization of decent size a year plus Mm -hmm. If you really, you know, if you're really coming from bare metal hosting, which I have done, I've come from bare metal hosting. Well, we both have. To, I've done it too. Yep. Right. Um, it's it takes a while. By the time you get where you think you're going, the goalpost has moved another forty yards, and so <laughs> it's and so the journey word again. It's what makes it cringy. Like it, it cloud journey makes me want to vomit in the back of my mouth. But <laughs> it also it's there's wisdom there because. We don't necessarily know what the end goal looks like. We're going to take a, it's the journey, not the destination kind of mindset and focus on each individual cycle. And mm -hmm. so you come back to kind of thinking about IT ops transformation in more of an agile way rather than waterfall. And all right, we're going to, we're going to go from bare metal. We're going to, we're going to virtualize our infrastructure. Then we're going to containerize Then we're right. gonna, you know, and we're just, we're just taking at every, every time we complete a project, we're going to reassess identify the the next highest ROI activity for us. And then we're going to focus on that. And then we're going to lather, rinse, repeat. Um, and I think that that message, that mindset doesn't then translate down to the rank and file. They hear cloud journey, please refactor all of your code. <laughs> Great. <That's> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and so I, I think that, that that misunderstanding definitely goes both ways because you you have executives who think cloud journey and then they have little to no fundamental comprehension of the of the underpinning effort and you get teams that are initially on board oh yeah this is great but then they go ahead and try and actually do the moves that they want to make and executives go wait a minute how much time is this going to take how much is this going to cost no we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and and so you have these and that's where <laughs> that's where cloud journey you know that's why i nod off on it because I feel like a lot of times these things are false starts. I think a lot of companies try to do these kinds of efforts and there isn't an alignment between your 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 frontline technical engineer implementers and the your 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 direction and and your management, your executive team fully comprehending what it is that you're actually endeavoring to do and why and how. And that and gap goes they, double because oftentimes that implementer team is a third party. Because oh, if yeah. you're like many organizations, your IT staff, your development staff, any of your teams are as big as they need to be to hold down the fort. Right. You don't have 50% of your time free to go explore and experiment and break things and fix things. You mm -hmm. have exactly as many people as you need to get through the next quarter or two. And so you talk about one of these big projects that requires a lot of time. You can't have your entire IT ops team go off and focus on this for six months to the exclusion of normal course of business. So we bring in contractors, we bring in a firm. And then what you're saying about there being a break between 
your executive level strategy and you know the tactical implementation just expands dramatically yeah. when now you're not just going down the org chart a couple of layers, but you're actually going to a different company and bring in a third party. So you've got to try to distill your strategic direction. You've got to try to validate they're going to give you what they want. And then they're making all of these little minute decisions without any of that context, without any of the history, without any of the tribal knowledge that would both hurt and hinder and on, you know, an in-house team. Right. Um, and the, the, the opportunity for communication gaps there and then misalignments uh, is just uh, is, uh, exponential. No, it's, it's you know, it, yeah, it's, it's huge. I think the bigger, um, I think the biggest problem to all of that stuff, though, I mean, yes, you, you by introducing the third party, you're introducing some additional communication complexity, but you're you are theoretically hiring a firm who are experts at doing this. This is, I mean, this is what they do. This is why you hired them. You expect them to know this stuff. What I find, and my, and my company works in this kind of space, um, and we, we, we do digital transformation stuff. What I find is the largest limiter is not the need to communicate what has to be done and why and how, because we do that all the time. The biggest uh, impediment that we run into are companies that hear what we're saying and then ignore it for a multitude of reasons. I mean, they, they, some of them are good. Some of them not so good. Uh, on the, on the not so good side, you've got political interests. You know, you have, you have, you know, you have a team internally that really wanted to do this thing. And now management is telling them, we're handing it to this external team and they're not going to get to do all the hands on that they want to do. Well, now they're just going to dig in their heels and drag their feet and they're going to make things difficult just because they wanted to do it and they're not going to get to do it. It's, it's that. And there's no, and there's, yeah, it's a human human problem. It's a human problem. None of that technology is going to fix the human. No technology. The culture has to be, I, I know we agree on this. The culture has to be disagree and commit. Yes. You know, Fight, fight fervently for what you think is the right way forward and why, and try to, you know, try to, try to see your vision through, but at some point a decision will be made, fall in line and execute like it was your idea. Yeah. You know, none none of this trying to torpedo things like that's just a, that's a cultural cancer. And I would, I would say probably if that's a problem you have, it's not the only problem. No, it definitely, it it usually isn't. No, no, it, it usually is, is not. And, um, so it's that kind of stuff that I have found is the is the most challenging, the most troubling for for these kinds of uh, for these kinds of events because they it, it that I mean they they just introduce additional variables that arguably you know don't need to uh, don't need to be there. So anyway, so that's I think that's digital transformation in a in a nutshell. Yeah, so. it's it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> so we got some time left here. What what do you what do you got? Anything we can talk about? In the, we got like ten minutes here, maybe fifteen. No, I don't. I don't think I had anything. Uh, we 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 might as well wrap it up early. I don't think I have anything else for today. Okay, cool. Uh, let me ring us out here. Hold on a second. 
try something a little bit different here. Tell me what you think of this. Bring it down a little bit. We'll do some show prep live for the for the rest a of the bit audience. Of light here. outro. Yeah, a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. quiet. I'm okay. quiet. It's kind of a. It's a little bit better than me going. You. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Me. All right. It's the audio equivalent of you know fading the lights a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, all right. Well, uh, this has been another great episode of Refactored. Thank you uh, very much to my uh, co-host, Chris, here. Uh, For more information about the show and your uh, illustrious host, you can head over to refactored.work. You'll find episodes, profiles, links, show notes, all that good stuff. If you want more of, uh, we also both do writing, right? I do some writing, not as much as I'd like to. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Wait, uh, the same? The same. (laughs) So if you want to read a little bit more about what we're writing, you can find me over at hotcoals, K-O-E-H-L-S.com. And Chris, what's your your site? Uh, Tonkinson.com. Tonkinson.com. So you can check out the the writing over there. And uh, I think the... uh, Oh, contact. That's right. Contact information. You can... um, What do you want to go with for email? Show? did we did we settle no. on an email address? I can't remember I if we have we an did. email address. No, we didn't. I don't think we did. No. Okay. Uh, sh- feedback. Feedback. Feedback yeah. at refactor.org. And if we change it in the future, we'll just alias it. So there you go. Anyway, thank you so much for being here with us today. And then join join us for uh, another great episode next week. Thanks, Cheers, everybody. See ya. <laughs>